Hey, this is Noah Levine, founder of Against the Stream, Refuge Recovery, and Dharma Punks. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. I hope you're enjoying the Dharma. Together, may we create a positive change on this planet. If you feel moved to leave a donation, there's a link in the show notes. May our paths cross soon. Welcome to the regular Monday night class, Against the Stream Meditation Center here in Venice Beach, California. Um, this is a ongoing Buddhist Sangha. The word Sangha means uh, community, a place to uh, practice the Dharma. The Dharma means the uh, truth about reality, nature of reality that we live in, and how to live in a way that uh, alleviates suffering rather than causes it. All of the Buddha's teachings have the aim, have the goal, have the intention to uh, empower us to respond to reality in a way that uh, alleviates suffering rather than causes it. And um, we'll start with a period of meditation. Actually, maybe I'll say a few things before we meditate. And then we will uh, have some lecture and discussion. I think I'll say uh, a few things because tonight we're, we're going through the um, Heart of the Revolution book, my, uh, my book, Heart of the Revolution, that is about um, developing emotional intelligence and wise responses and what we call the heart practices of Buddhism, the Brahma Viharas, the divine abodes or wise aspects of our uh, mind and heart. And uh, last week we talked about mercy and the ability through meditation, a core uh, part of what mindfulness teaches us by just sitting and uh, bringing present time, non-judgmental, uh, kind awareness into the, the body, the heart, the mind, uh, that one of the functions is uh, learning to be uncomfortable, of turning towards our discomfort, our pain, our difficulties with more and more tolerance rather than avoiding, um, but turning towards our pain to feel it. And the more you do sitting meditation and the longer you sit still, of course, you'll become physically uncomfortable and um, probably some difficult thoughts and emotions will arise. And all of that from a, a Buddhist mindfulness perspective is important and is an opportunity and is, is a core part of our practice because uh, where we're going tonight into the topic from mercy, which is the not making it worse, tolerating without uh, making it worse, into not just tolerating, not just mercy, but the um, practice of compassion and the response, learning to respond to both our pain and uh, the pain of others, the pain of the world both um, the pain of the people that we know and care about, as well as uh, the pain of strangers and the, the, um, even the pain of our enemies. Uh, 
um, of being able to see more deeply, more clearly that um, everyone has pain, that pain is, is part of what's going on here and how we respond to our pain is uh, what creates either ease uh, or happiness or, or suffering. Um, so we're gonna, I'm gonna talk and I'll share quite a few things about compassion and uh, the Buddha's teachings on compassion and how we can uh, train our mind to respond with compassion, our hearts. Well, I wanted to do a meditation um, before that, a compassion meditation that uh, we borrow from a Tibetan uh, practice and it's called Tonglen. Uh, and it translates as something like um, receiving and giving or giving and receiving, uh, giving compassion uh, and receiving pain. You know, compassion is the wise response to pain. And in order to have compassion, we have to allow ourselves to feel the pain, turn towards it. And in this practice, we actually intentionally breathe in and, and visualize and breathe in pain and then breathe out uh, and, and visualize and breathe out compassion. You don't have to feel compassionate to do this practice. This is in some ways is training the mind, it's creating neuropathways. Uh, it is uh, inclining this uh, attitude of compassion. And if you're anything like me, the first few times you do these practices, you might not feel much. It might even make you feel a bit agitated. Uh, I know in my early practices on loving kindness and compassion and forgiveness, it didn't feel warm and fuzzy. It felt uh, painful and, and difficult. And I still had a lot of aversion and judgment and fear about the kind of vulnerability that, that this kind of practice is asking us to embody. Um, so I invite you, I encourage you to not uh, judge the practice too much or to not um, give up on it too quickly, but to know that it's a very gradual, a long-term process of uh, uncovering and recovering and um, learning to meet our pain with mercy and tolerance and compassion and to meet other people's pain, the pain of the world with um, tolerance and mercy and compassion. And that it's a, it's a process that for most of us will take years. Um, it's not something that we can just decide. Um, and it's why we meditate. We meditate to develop these skills. And these are skills that are gradually uh, embodied over years and years of meditation. So if you're at the beginning, you have a long process to look forward to. Uh, and if you've been you know, doing this for months or years or decades, then you know what I'm talking about. Shit doesn't change overnight. <laughs> you don't immediately become compassionate, but slowly the sort of needle uh, changes and the internal attitudes and the ability to respond more and more um, consistently, more and more regularly in a compassionate way is something that we develop over the years.
So I encourage you to um, follow along with the instructions best you can and uh, feel what you feel and let yourself feel whatever is there to be felt. And to know that you can, you can do this. And it's important, not only can, but you know, it's, it's important to do it. So find a way to sit upright, relaxed. Take a moment to adjust your posture, to settle. And to know that this meditation is the practice of the first and third noble truth. It is a practice of breathing in the first noble truth, the pain, the suffering in our lives and in the world. And breathing out the third truth, compassion, the intention to end suffering to extinguish, to cool, to chill out, respond with kindness and compassion to the pain that exists both internally and externally. So just settling in by releasing any tension that your body may be holding Relaxing the shoulders, the jaw, belly. Feel the breath coming and going. And if you can, imagine breathing in and out of your heart center. Feel the expanding and contracting of the chest, rising and falling. That place in the center of the sternum where we experience joy and sorrow. And in this practice, we are active, engaged, engaging the mind to reflect, not ignoring the mind or trying to silence it. But reflect first on the pain of your own life, the difficulties you've lived through, the sorrows, the losses. the disappointments, 
the betrayals. The pain, the pain of craving, the suffering of attachment. The pain of anger, the suffering of resentment. All of the unpleasant sensations of having a body, the aches, the pains, the injuries, the illnesses. The suffering of heartbreak, of loneliness. How painful it is to have a mind that is judgmental, critical, insecure. Don't have to make anything up, just what's true about your experience. Either in the past or here, now in the present. Turning towards our pain, the first noble truth. We've all had plenty of suffering in our lives, losing what we wanted to keep, being met with painful experiences we never wanted to experience. The sickness and aging and death of existence. And now beginning to breathe into your own heart center the pain and suffering you've experienced. And breathe out compassion towards your own pain. Breathe in the pain, allow yourself to feel it. Real or imagined present or past. Breathe out compassion, the intention to meet your own pain with friendliness, with care. With a love and tenderness that you would show your own child, that you would show a loved one. And begin to visualize that you're breathing in smoke and that it's hot, heavy, 
like soot. This is the pain of your life. Breathe it into the heart center and the heart has the ability to transform, to purify. As you breathe out, breathing it out as purified compassion, no longer heavy and hot, but now cool, light, soothing. Compassion soothes the pain, removes the suffering. It still hurts, but it soothes that extra layer of resistance. Breathing in your own painful experience in the body, in the heart, in the mind. The fears, the worries, the feelings of unworthiness, shame. Breathing out tenderness towards how painful it is to have those feelings. In, hot, heavy, painful. Breathing out, light, soft, soothing, care. the mind starts to wander into stories, resistance, just come back to the breath at the heart center. And it can be as simple as just saying pain as you breathe in, compassion as you breathe out in your own heart mind, acknowledge that we're breathing in our own pain. And then we're training the heart mind to respond to pain with compassion, breathing out compassion towards it.
beginning to expand from ourselves. To think about people who we have benefited from knowing, who've inspired us, our teachers, mentors, sponsors, therapists, our grandparents, people who've been kind to you, who've helped you. And breathing in their pain, knowing that even the most evolved, wisest being still has pain. Could even think of the Buddha, even the enlightened Buddha so long ago, who said even though he was no longer suffering, he had quite a bit of pain still. Breathing in the pain of the Buddha, breathing out compassion, care, tenderness. Bringing to mind some of the teachers who supported you, inspired you, friends. Breathing in their pain into your heart center. Reflecting on that they too experienced this first noble truth. The reality of difficulty, unpleasantness in their own minds, in their own hearts and bodies. Breathing it in with the same visualization, dark, heavy, hot, soot, pain. And the heart purifying it, breathing out, soothing, clear. Compassionate breath. Can be as simple as just saying I care about you. I care about your pain. If the visualization doesn't work so well, just 
saying the word pain. As you breathe in, compassion as you breathe out. And it's okay if this hurts. It's okay to be uncomfortable. It's part of the training. completely safe to feel pain. The only way we'll learn to have true compassion is by turning towards our pain, turning towards the pain of others. Expand the practice to include friends and family. Allowing ourselves to see the suffering, the difficulties. Of those who we care about. And to breathe it in to the heart center, breathing in the pain, the confusion, the suffering. Breathing out the intention to meet our friends, our family, our loved ones with mercy and compassion rather than judging or avoiding. Turning towards it and breathing compassion. And allow them to receive your compassion and to appreciate it. Feels so good to be seen, to be cared about. If you notice your belly getting tight or your jaw, your shoulders tensing up, take a moment to release, to soften with the compassionate exhale, softening the belly.
and let the gathering imagine that you're in a large space with all of these people, your teachers, your family and friends. And let it expand, see who else in your life shows up in your mind, in your heart. See their pain. Breathe in their pain, breathe out compassion towards them. And allow some of the difficult people in your life to enter. See that it is their pain that makes them difficult. Rather than meeting them with judgment and fear, resentment, try breathing compassion towards them. Breathing in their pain, their confusion. Breathing out mercy and compassion towards the difficult people. The category that we sometimes call our enemies. begin to expand outward throughout your neighborhood, throughout your state. to the east and west, north and south. And reflect on all the suffering, all of the pain, all of the confusion, the ignorance, the greed, hatred on this planet.
And breathe in the suffering. Breathe out compassion. Extend compassion in all directions, east and west, north and south. The Buddha said that after his awakening, he was able to radiate compassion for all living beings. We incline our heart towards compassion, compassion to the pain of all living beings as we breathe it in, hot, heavy, We breathe out compassion as a soothing response. It doesn't end the pain, just ends that extra layer of suffering. It ends the fear, it ends the judgment, the resentment. the anger. all of the people dying in this moment, all of the people that care about those dying people's grief, the people who don't have enough resources, food, the people who are not safe, in war zones, in prisons. People who are not safe inside their own homes.
so much suffering on this planet. But our capacity for compassion, for care, the wise response is massive. It's big enough to care about all sentient beings. and go beyond the human realm to include all animals. Those in the wild as well as in captivity. Those in the sea, in the sky, in the earth. All beings who have a nervous system of any kind experience pain. All pain is worthy of compassion. When we don't have compassion, we suffer. So we practice in this way, breathing it in, turning towards it, so that we can end our own suffering about our own pain or our suffering about other people's pain. Learn to care about it. but also understand that no matter how much compassion we have, we can't control others. We can't end the internal experience of suffering for anyone else. So spending the last couple of minutes of this meditation wishing Extending compassion in the form of the wish, may all beings learn to meet their own pain with mercy and compassion. May all beings develop a wise heart, a compassionate mind through their own efforts. And then just come back to yourself, this life form that is you, that you have the most influence over. Sending yourself compassion, sending yourself forgiveness. 
sending yourself acceptance of yourself just as you are in this moment. With all of our imperfections, neurotic tendencies, all of the ways that we suffer, compassion, forgiveness, acceptance of ourselves. And when you're ready, you can allow your eyes to open. Good to reflect after we meditate. There's the experience, and we're in it, and whatever's happening is happening, and then the bell rings. And now it's like this, and there's some relief from moving the body. And but reflect on what just happened as you did this meditation, visualization, breathing in your own pain trying to breathe out compassion. Is it, if you've been doing it for a while, is it getting easier? Uh, is it, have you developed some level of mercy and compassion towards your own pain over the period of your meditation practice, over the, whether it's days or months or years? And maybe I think one of the core things is with these practices is that sometimes we do see where we're at and it's not so, doesn't feel like such good news. Um, but making that commitment to keep going. Making that commitment to, I'm going to keep practicing uh, in this direction. I'm going to keep inclining my heart and training my mind to learn to meet pain with care rather than aversion, rather than creating suffering on top of pain. So this chapter in the book is, is this, as this teaching is this core and it's so important. And, um, you know, the only way to truly have some peace, to really have some ease and a, and a, 
pervasive sense of well-being in life is to learn to meet pain with compassion. Um, there's just no way to truly be happy. And by happy, I mean at ease and I mean content and I mean free from suffering. Uh, without compassion, it's impossible. There's nobody anywhere ever <laughs> that had true happiness that didn't have compassion. Um, because there's just too much unpleasantness in existence. We're just born into these bodies that experience way too much unpleasant sensation and unpleasant emotion and unpleasant smells and tastes and sounds and people and places and things. And there's just too many unpleasant experiences to ever truly be happy without being able to tolerate unpleasantness, without being able to have mercy for unpleasantness, without really having compassion, ultimately compassion. And this is, you know, the Buddha's teaching and his experience and his, and one of the reasons why he said, this path leads against the stream. Because unfortunately, when it comes to the type of pervasive compassion that we need for ourselves, for our own pain, as well as for the pain of our enemies and our friends and our uh, and strangers and the, you know all all living beings, uh, nobody is born with it. It's not something that comes with birth. It is a skill we have to develop. We are actually born into a system that uh, hates pain. Uh, as you know, just reflecting on your own life <laughs> and you're not weird, you're normal, right? Uh, it's totally and completely normal to have this instinctual drive of fight. If something is painful, you feel threatened, you feel uh, either fight it or run or flee or, you know, freeze. Like what's, what's, what's your, what's your go-to when something hurts? Do you freeze around it? Do you run from it? Avoidance. That's the big one for most of us trying to get rid of all of the unpleasantness in life. Uh, probably more than half of our sangha tried so hard to get rid of all of the unpleasantness that we became addicts. <laughs> that we, you know, drank and smoked and injected ourselves right into addiction from trying to avoid our pain and chase pleasure. And, um, and then you just, you know, we all have woken up to that it's fucking impossible. You can't stay high long enough. You can't stay ahead of your own pain because of impermanence. And impermanence is such a mixed blessing, isn't it? Like it, it's, you know, it sucks because uh, you can't permanently avoid your pain. You can't, you know, like no matter how good at avoidance and uh, you get, you're, you can't permanently avoid it. It's impermanent. All of those avoidance, whether it's drugs and alcohol or, or some other um, 
ways that you avoid and you know just think for a minute what are all the skills that you've developed to try to stay comfortable and avoid discomfort um, but then again impermanence is really good news when life is painful and you realize it will pass that this shit will will pass no matter how difficult uh, it is however uh the reality that we live in this world of impermanence where pain a certain amount of pain is unavoidable now i do want to pause for a moment and be clear that what buddhism is teaching us is not um some sort of masochistic like uh you know you need to seek out pain and indulge in pain uh it's not that at all actually i i believe that the way i would say it is the the core uh teaching and understanding is avoid all of the pain that you can actually avoid if it's avoidable if there's something that you can do <laughs> um then do it you know like don't you know take your hand out of you know when you're getting burned like if you can remove your hand from the flame from the fires then do that but the reality is there's a whole bunch of unpleasant painful difficult experiences that are just unavoidable and it's not because you're doing it wrong it's just unavoidable first noble truth there's all of these unavoidable difficulties that we will end up suffering about if we don't develop compassion I mean, just today, how many unpleasant things happens today? I was in a meeting this morning and we were doing mindfulness and um, mindfulness of breath and body. And one of the people sharing said, you know, I was sitting here doing mindfulness, but my dog was in the room and it just kept farting. <laughs> and so I'm breathing in with non-judgmental, you know, kind awareness this really unpleasant smell. And so like reflecting on, you know, that, and that's painful, right? Like dog farts are painful. And, you know, and I want to be clear that when we're talking about the pain and the unpleasantness uh, of existence, we're not talking just about the major tragedies and traumas and heartbreaks and uh, physical, you know, injuries and stuff. We're talking about all of the, unpleasant phenomena that we just meet with aversion and um, that we naturally are like, oh, that's disgusting, that's painful, that's uh, hard to bear, it's gross, whatever it is. And even dog farts as an object of compassion, of like, well, this is really unpleasant. I can hate it and then suffer about it or I can breathe out <laughs> compassion towards the dog farts. I can breathe out tolerance and mercy. And, you know, right now it's just really smells very unpleasant in here. Um, I hope that makes sense. I know it's sort of a ludicrous example, but I hope that it makes sense that when we're talking about compassion, it's from the ordinary everyday like uh, I had to stand in a line 
and that was unpleasant, or I got stuck in traffic and that was unpleasant, or, or I got cold and it was painful. I know like most of the country uh, has like all of these major storms and people are snowed in and, um, you know, and in a lot of places I was talking to uh, a friend in Oklahoma and, and I heard somebody this morning in Texas saying like, it doesn't really snow here, but it's like zero degrees and we're not fucking prepared. And, you know, it's unpleasant. Um, so from the daily difficulties, um, we develop compassion so that we can tolerate all of the unpleasantness. It's unavoidable. Dogs are going to fart. Snowstorms are going to come. Um, we're going to get stuck in traffic. We're going to uh, have to wait in lines. We're going to um, have to deal with unpleasant people. Did you have to, you know, if you, if you left your house today or people that you live with that were unpleasant, that were difficult, and it's sort of, it's painful when you're with somebody who's being uh, unpleasant in some way. Um, and so compassion becomes the skillful response to everything that we perceive as painful. Every smell, every sight, every taste, every sound. And again, it's your perception. Um, I've been reflecting a lot on like perception of music, of how uh, two people can be, have such different tastes, have such different perceptions, is that like I could put on some music and um, to me it would be like so pleasant and you know, there'd just be joy that this, you know, grind core, noise, metal, you know, and I would just love it, but like, you know, my mom would be like, that is making my ears bleed. Like, please, like, it's so painful. And it's all perception, right? So for her, the practice would be like, well, mom, you're going to have to have some compassion for how pleasant, unpleasant that is. <laughs> and for me, it'd be like joy. And then somebody else could put on like some top 40 or some, uh, you know, I was visiting a friend this weekend and he had on just like Spotify, some kind of like, I don't know what it was, but whatever it was, like it was all terrible in my, you know, perception. And rather than suffering about it and judging and being just like, you know, it's not my taste in music. Um, I'm just kind of like, okay, like I can, you know, hear it and I can actually like take some compassion because it's unpleasant to hear stuff that we don't like. Um, when we have these, you know, especially if you have strong ideas about what you think is good music and what other people think is good music. I feel like um, there's a really pervasive um, confusion about compassion and that often compassion is thought to be, you know, we talk about like compassionate action and like I even sometimes I've heard meditation students say, um, you know, I was really uncomfortable during the meditation. So out of compassion for myself, I decided to shift and, uh, you know, uh, fidget and move out of the, um, now, 
because in meditation, we are training ourselves to develop tolerance, to develop mercy, to develop a wise and compassionate response, actually shifting out of away from this pain um, is, is avoidance. It's not actually uh, compassion. The compassionate thing to do and is to sit with our pain, is to turn towards it, to breathe into it, to soften around it, and to increase our tolerance for discomfort so that when the dog farts, when the you know, heart gets broken, when we are um, faced with something really unpleasant, difficult, painful, we have developed that skill. So in meditation, the most compassionate thing to do for yourself is sit still. no matter how uncomfortable it gets to breathe into it, to, uh, ha you know, to try to have compassion for the pain rather than avoiding the pain. Because it's been the trying to avoid our pain that got us into all of this suffering in the first place, because it's unavoidable. But it's tricky, right? Because I did just say, avoid avoidable pain have compassion for all of the unavoidable pain. But how often does your mind tell you that you can avoid it and this sort of illusion, delusion of control? Of like, well, all I have to do, like, I don't have to sit here. I have the influence, I have the control of like, I can just shift out of it. I can move away from it. Or I don't have to smell that fart. I can just leave the room. Or I don't have to wait in this line. I'm going to do this shit online. Or I don't have to, you know, and they're just constantly all day, every day going like, well, I'm not going to deal with this because I don't have to. I'm not going to deal with this because I, where it becomes this life and how many of us have lived this life of uh, constantly trying to avoid and replace and ignore and postpone anything that, feels difficult, that feels, that stinks, or is boring, or is unpleasant. So in meditation, we develop compassion so that you can stand in that line and not suffer about it. So that you can be stuck in that traffic jam and not suffer about it. So that you can smell the disgusting smells, see the unpleasant things, hear the unpleasant things, and develop a sense of tolerance and ease and compassion for like, oh yeah, this is really unpleasant, but I've developed the skill of being with unpleasantness. I don't have to suffer about it anymore. I hope this is making sense so that really compassion is a very practical and necessary skill that we have to develop. And we develop it through sitting meditation and training the mind um, because it's not how our minds are wired. It's not a natural thing that, that any of us are born with. Um, it is counter instinctual to meet uh, all pain with compassion. And there's a lot of discernment that has to be developed on the path. Uh, and that question of, and each moment, that question of, is this the kind of pain 
that I should be meeting with compassion in the form of just accepting it and caring about it? Or is this the kind of pain that I should do something about other than compassion? Because a lot of the times there is something that we can do. But we have to um, develop that wisdom, that discernment of, is this the kind of pain that can be avoided and should? You know, like if you're in a really bad relationship, we don't want to use compassion as this like, well, yes, I'm really being abused in this relationship, whether it's personal or professional or whatever it is. But because I have so much compassion, I'm just going to continue to tolerate it as my spiritual practice. It's like, that's not wisdom. If you're, you know, if you're in a really unhealthy environment and you can leave it, it's actually the compassionate thing to do to leave it both for yourself and also there's a perspective that the most compassionate thing you can do for uh, somebody who's abusing or betraying or uh, is to remove yourself from the equation because of all the karma they're creating through their negative behavior. You don't want to condone that kind of behavior. You don't want to participate in it. So we have to be quite careful for this idea that compassion is always going to remove the difficulty. That sometimes, perhaps even often, compassion is just caring about it without getting rid of the pain. And that is the, you know, maybe the most important understanding of compassion, that compassion doesn't actually, when we're talking about the unavoidable pain kind of compassion, it does not alleviate the pain. Compassion alleviates that extra layer of suffering. It, it, uh, it removes the anger, the resentment, the fear, the... Uh, extra layers of suffering that are on top of the pain. Pain is impermanent. It will alleviate itself. Compassion doesn't get rid of pain, just that extra layer of difficulty that we're constantly, you know, every time the dog farts, am I going to suffer about this? Or am I going to accept that this is an impermanent, unpleasant experience? Or am I going to hate it? Or am I going to get upset about it? Every time we're, uh, you know, faced with a difficulty, we have impermanence as the great liberator. It will pass. Hatred will make it worse. And actually, aversion, that tendency that we have, that we're born with, that human beings is aversive, you know, second noble truth, the cause of suffering is this craving that turns into aversion for things to be other than they are. And it feels like, you know, there's this impermanent experience coming through. And when we meet it with aversion with like, no, I don't want to feel this. I don't want to smell this. I don't want to experience this. It creates a dam rather than letting that arise and pass. 
the aversion like keeps it around longer. Like think of some of the resentments you've been holding on to for all of these decades. <laughs> Something really painful happened in your life 20 years ago, 30 years ago. But the resistance to it, the lack of compassion for it, the lack of forgiveness for yourself or for the asshole who hurt you, betrayed you in some way, that that aversion is like, here I am 30 years later, still pissed off at the schoolyard bully who was, you know, rather than forgiving, rather than letting go, rather than having compassion for myself, enough compassion to let it go, to forgive, rather than having compassion for like, man, that person must have really been suffering a lot to treat me like that. We keep it around, we cling to it, we get attached to that dam. I love this Tonglen practice that we did tonight and I'm happy to have some uh, discussion about it. Not everybody likes it all that much. I, I, it's pretty intense to breathe in the suffering of the whole world. Um, I personally like intense experiences. Uh, so that's one of the meditations that I like. I know that's not true for everyone. But I really believe, you know, the, the, the Buddha said, hey, here's the first noble truth. And the truth of suffering, of pain, of existence is not just an intellectual thing to believe. You know, the four noble truths of the Buddha, these are not just like, hey, believe this. He's saying, investigate it, turn towards it. I don't know what the Pali term is, but it's, uh, it gets translated as penetrate this truth. Dive into it you know, know it from direct, in-depth experience. So it's not just this sort of surface, like, yeah, yeah, they're suffering. Breathe it in. Turn towards it. Feel it. And then the end of suffering, the third noble truth, breathe out compassion. Breathe out the antidote to suffering. And that we can do it for ourselves, that we can do it for uh, our teachers. I don't know what it was like. I'd never done that before uh, of saying, like, let's breathe in the pain of the Buddha. Because, right, we think of the Buddha as, well, he's enlightened. He, he's, you know, he doesn't have any suffering. It's true. The Buddha has no suffering, but the Buddha still has pain. And whether you're suffering about it or not, pain is still worthy of compassion. And what a wonderful uh, object of thinking of Siddhartha Gautama 2,600 years ago, this person were so grateful, discovered mindfulness, taught us the Four Noble Truths, like started this wheel of Dharma in motion. And that even though he had developed enough compassion for his own pain that he wasn't suffering at all, he still, uh, walked around barefoot for 40 years and he was attacked um, and his foot was smashed. So for the last many years of his life, he was limping on a broken foot. Um, 
he, he said that he had um, extreme pain, like chronic ongoing pain in his body. He had like a, a back, uh, back pain and that, you know, he said, I'm not suffering about it, but my body just towards the end of his life, especially he says, my body hurts all the time. He said, the only time I'm not in physical discomfort is when I'm meditating in the jhanas, those deep, deep concentration states. The rest of the time I'm in pain, but I have compassion for it. So I'm not suffering about it, but it's still unpleasant. I don't hate it. I don't resent it. I totally accept that like, this is just what this body is feeling, unpleasantness. But that's the potential of the kind of compassion that we can develop where even in chronic pain, you can tolerate it and have mercy and compassion towards it. And that all of our enemies, I didn't go too far in the Tonglen, I didn't, I was saying so much anyways, but thinking about how important this is in the current political uh, scene, you know, the kind of the current American political scene where it's so, you know, so much conflict and so much anger towards the other side, whatever side you know, you, uh, and I feel like, you know, it's like in American politics, it's like they're talking about like this two party system, the Democrats and the Republicans and the Democrats hate the Republicans and the Republicans hate the Democrats. But I, I feel like I know all of these people who are just like, they're both terrible. <laughs> you know, there's this whole sort of third anti-political kind of party that like hate anybody who cares of, you know, anybody that even believes in the American system is, is fucked up and full of shit. And, you know, this whole anti anti uh, I guess we call them conspiracy theory. It's all a conspiracy. <laughs> um, and it is, but that's but still like compassion is the answer <laughs> towards our enemies, you know, in this practice of like no matter how confused somebody is, don't have to suffer at them no matter how ignorant, how, you know, off base, we don't have to give them our suffering by judging and fearing and hating each other out of compassion for ourselves, out of compassion for the confusion of our enemies. We can accept people as they are. We can forgive people. We can uh, allow everyone to have their views and their opinions and their confusion. Um, you know, that having been said, I don't want to go so far in the acceptance that it sounds like uh, a kind of complacency or a, yeah, uh, uh, an inaction. I, I do 100% believe um, in karma and that there is a karmic uh, uh, consequence for ignorance and for greed and for hatred and that everyone's creating that for, for ourselves. Um, and that also consequences, you know, that, you know, whatever sort of 
legal action or stuff like that should be, you know, we, we do need that in place. I'm not a complete anarchist. We do need some, <laughs> we do need some structure <laughs> to society and uh, we just happen to have inherited a pretty fucked up one, but still compassion is the right response. It's the wise response to all of the pain, all of the confusion. We can compassionately hold people accountable for their actions without doing it out of anger, without doing it out of hatred. So what are your thoughts? We have a few minutes left. Does compassion make sense to you? Uh, any questions about this topic? Noah, this is uh, Eric. I have a question. Sure, jump in. Yeah, can you hear me? Good. Yes. Um, so, and I thank you for this. This was a great session today. And I have in part a reaction that's similar to when I've uh, looked at this through meditation, um, the book, other books, I still find it easier and even reflecting on today to learning more about what compassion is not, but I still couldn't even begin to give you a definition of what it is. And I find that what you end up having to do, and part of this might be translation, I have no idea, but you'll say mercy, tolerance, you have more tolerance, don't sweat the small stuff. And all of that makes perfect sense. And still there seems to be something more, something more active, something more definitive. It's not just not to all those other things, it's something else. And <clears throat> I don't know if that sparks another thought in you, but I'd love to hear anything. So is the question, uh, what is the actual definition? Yeah, I guess that'd be one way, but yeah. I've asked that to other people before and then they get, you know, empathy, mercy, and then, you know, all these other words. And then I go, oh, what, you know, I think I know what those mean, but if it just means those, then why do we need this word compassion? How about, if, what, how, well, let's talk about it for a minute. How do you feel yeah. about um, caring? Yeah, that's clearer to me. The word that we translate as compassion um, is karuna, K-A-R-U-N-A. And I'm told that the literal translation of, of Karuna uh, is a quivering of the heart in response to pain. Hmm. That, and that, which means that we're actually feeling moved, you know? And I, so for me, caring can be a little intellectual. You can be a little bit in your head around like I, I care, I, um, but that Karuna is actually a feeling Compassion is actually uh, a movement in the, and you know, this term heart chitta is both mind and body, um, heart and mind. So uh, that you feel moved, that you care, like really care, like, um, like a tenderness. Um, you feel moved by your own pain. You care about it that much. You feel moved by somebody else's pain. Um, then it's not just an intellectual e exercise. And for many of us, it is sort of just a uh, um, theoretical, compassion is theoretical. And it's why we do the meditation over and over for all of these you know, years so that we can start to actually feel it more. 
Um, and, and this visualization of breathe it in, feel it, let it affect your heart, breathe out compassion. We're so busy trying to avoid pain mm -hmm. rather than develop compassion towards it. I hope that's helpful. It, it is helpful. And maybe, maybe just the dog fart story threw me. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think for the big, for the big stuff, that's really clear. Yeah. And then, you know, care, caring about a dog fart. Um, but I get your point. The point is you, it, you let it in, it affects you, you face it. It's not that you're pretending it didn't happen. You're yeah. experiencing it, but you're not being reactive to it. Yeah, but and that's also where like um, on the continuum of compassion is also just tolerance because yeah, okay. the dog fart, it's not like, oh, my heart is just so moved by this painful dog fart. It's, I can tolerate this, right? right? Like I've learned yeah. to just accept and tolerate like unpleasant shit happens. Uh, and I don't have to hate it, you know, like I, the non-reactivity. Super helpful. Thanks. I don't want to gobble up any more Thank time. You. I see lots of hands. Thanks. Yeah, nice to see you. Yeah. Uh, Jeffrey, jump in. Uh, real quick, I, I hope this doesn't seem too trivial, but I guess I'm motivated by the dog fart <laughs> subtopic. You know, I'll be on the cushion and my cat decides that's a good time to cuddle as well. And, you know, cats need and they, they put their claws in. And this, this very question has occurred to me because she's digging into my flesh with her claws. And it's not like, a, you know, my back hurts or my knees are sore. It's actually quite painful. And so I'm just, I have wondered in the middle of meditation, how, how much do I put up with this before I kind of scoot her along so I can zero back in, you know? <laughs> Where's the compassion line? Um, it's hard, you know, it's hard for me to answer it. Uh, I want to say something like, um, it depends on how desperate you are to develop compassion, because the more you let her scratch you or him scratch you, um, them scratch you, right? And, and really, like, what an opportunity for, ex you know, advanced compassion, Right. Uh, of like, not just my achy knees, but also cat claws. <laughs> and if I can develop compassion for this, like, you know, the next time I get my heart broken or it's going to be, you know, smooth sailing because I really developed this. And, and there's, you know, there are certainly Buddhists who go, you know, to, to um, really in, in service of compassion of saying like, let's do some really unpleasant, extreme kind of painful practices so that we get really good at it so that nothing can phase us. Um, that having been said, you know, probably achy knees and sore back and loud mind is enough unpleasantness. And, you know, you can gently, uh, you know, push your cat away when it starts needing your, you know, knees while you're meditation, meditating. Thank you. Sounds yeah. Yeah. Amy, jump in. Literally jumping in. Harshing on the dog farts, man. Um, so I had an unfortunate experience the other day that my, some of my stuff got stolen. And in the daytime, I felt like I was pretty equanimous about it like well you know sucks it happens I'm lucky I can afford to buy more skis blah 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 and then like three o'clock in the morning I'm just straight up angry about it and then 
for a few days. It's a little bit better now. I was in like full on addict planning mode around everything possible related to my shit that got stolen. And I talked to a very wise friend of mine about it. Um, and was I, did I just need to feel the anger about it? And I'm because I didn't feel the anger, then, then I immediately am, am going into planning mode because I'm avoiding that. And how does that fit in all of this? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it makes some sense. Um, I don't know the, the answer necessarily, but um, I, I hear, you know, that kind of process of rather than allowing ourselves to feel um, the sadness, the betrayal, the fear, the anger that is on top of that hurt of, you know, being stolen from, um, if we immediately go to this, like, oh, no big deal, I can afford it. Um, and, and rather than kind of landing in, wow, this hurts. Yes, I can afford new skis or whatever, but still it's, this is quite unpleasant to um, have my car, you know, my car, my possessions stolen, my, um, and to feel that pain. And that the more we immediately uh, train ourselves to feel the pain, then we can process it. And I think that that's what you were pointing towards is that if we don't process our pain and, and have hopefully some level of mercy and compassion for it, that then it, you know, often the mind will kind of keep coming back to it. Um, I'm not sure if your obsession with, it sounds like shopping, um, had that much to do with uh, the loss or just like, now I need new skis and now I get to fucking shop. And so my mind is going, well, what kind, you know, now I can get new skis. What should I get? Um, so I'm not sure if it was just like the mind going like, cool, I have an excuse to spend some money now. <laughs> that and just like planning so many other things not really related to, to trips not related to trips everything else it was just oh. right and then I thought after I, Rachel and I talked about it and then I was like oh, okay that all makes sense and then then I got more confused here in the talk tonight so I don't know. confused how of like the my encouragement to sit in it yeah Whereas I wasn't sitting in it because I feel like I wasn't sitting in it because I was having compassion for it. Right. So I was kind of avoiding feeling the, the pain, if you want to call it, I was mostly just super fucking annoyed, but I was, I was, I feel like maybe I was avoiding feeling the pain of the situation because I was having compassion for it. Yeah. But you're, you're not, I think that, you know, in order to really have compassion for it, we have to be feeling the pain. There it is. And, you know, we have to go right into it. Um, not just intellectualizing a sort of like acceptance, but actually like, whoa, this really sucks. Um, yeah, that was it. I mean, you heard me talk about, uh, you know, a few months ago when my motorcycle got stolen. Yeah, and there's just that like, wow, this fucking hurts. And this, this is... And, and processing that, uh, you know, and then coming around to acceptance, but not going right into like, oh, no big deal. You know, at first being like, wow, this is really painful. 
Yeah, I totally intellectualized the acceptance of it and skipped the middle part. Yeah. Thank you. And thanks, Rachel. Uh, Rachel Elwood, your next and last question, I think. Hi. Um, so I had a question about, um, like, in practice, in like, in everyday life, um, you know, it makes more sense, say I'm sitting in traffic and I can either get really frustrated or I can like take a breath and just kind of sit in it. But I use meditation as like, a, I would say my primary coping skill. Um, and so when I'm having say a conflict with somebody and I can, and I have the opportunity to do so, I'll kind of step away and sit for a few minutes. Um, but when I do that, I, I, I guess maybe I've been doing it inc like wrong, according to this, you know, talk, um, I kind of use it as an opportunity to like ground myself in the moment, but I don't necessarily feel into the anger that I'm experiencing toward this other person. And so I guess I'm just wondering, like in practice, is that what, you're recommending because it has helped to diffuse situations and I think that it's been helpful to me but well um a couple things one is um trust your own experience and if what you have been doing and stepping away and and um cooling off and diffusing the situation has been, you know, like, trust that, like, regardless of, you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm a big fan of trusting our own experience and not what teachers are saying. <laughs> so, you know, trust that if that's, if that's working for you some. Um, you know, the first, there is this perspective that says rather than, um, you know, like if you're gonna take that time rather than just sort of doing a avoidance of the frustration in your mind and a, that, that kind of comes of actually turning towards it and experiment with it, like try it next time you're in some conflict and you have that opportunity of turn towards it and be like, oh, I'm this hurt actually. What's really going on here is that I'm in pain, right? The anger is covering that I was offended, that I felt unseen, that I felt dismissed, like something in that conflict, um, I felt judged. I felt, there's something painful under there that we're mad about. And so what if I just turn towards that core unpleasant feeling and soften around it and breathe some compassion towards it and some, right? Try that. And then also when we're in conflict with somebody, and this is easier said than done a lot of the time is actually try to see their pain when somebody's being annoying when somebody's being aggressive when somebody's being uh difficult with you if you pause and try to see like oh i wonder what, what kind of pain this person is in um, i have a friend who used to say you know anytime somebody's unpleasant to be around imagine what it's like to be in in them if they're unpleasant for us out here, they're being difficult. Imagine how hard it is for them to be, to embody that annoying incarnation, <laughs> that, that difficult, 
personality, that impatient, that judgmental, that critical mind state that they're manifesting. And actually try to, you know, with the, the eyes of compassion that see, wow, this person's really in pain. experiment with that um you know you know the you get some good results from what you've been doing try this practice for a little bit see how it works does that make sense mm -hmm. yeah that's really helpful cool thank you um last thoughts do this Tonglen practice every day. In the book, actually, I realized after I started the Tonglen that the meditation uh, in the book is not the, is not the Tonglen practice. Um, if you're reading along with the book, it starts on page 51. It's more of the traditional Theravadan, uh, inclining the mind towards compassion, by saying, may I learn to care about suffering and confusion? May I respond with mercy and empathy to pain? And may I be filled with compassion? So uh, Tonglen is one technique. This is another technique that's in the book. Um, you may have noticed at the end of the meditation, and I think where we're going, I don't know if we go next week. No, we go into forgiveness next week. But compassion uh needs to be balanced with equanimity and so at the end of the meditation i said you know wishing may all beings learn to meet their own pain with compassion it's this equanimity that understands uh, we can't control other people we can care about them but we can't make them care about themselves i hope that makes sense and we'll get into that on the chapter on equanimity so thank you for your practice, for your participation, your reflection on these teachings. And um, class is done by donation. If you can afford a $15 donation, you can go to the link that goes to the website where you can do PayPal or Venmo. Um, if you appreciate what we are offering here at Against the Stream and you have the financial ability to, please consider becoming a monthly supporter. Again, that same link will take you there. And you can say, I'm just gonna give 25 or 50 or $100 every month on this sort of auto uh, donation system. And that really helps us you know, uh, pay the rent. So if you can become a monthly supporter, please do. Uh, or just a one-off donation for tonight. Gratefully uh, accepted, gratefully appreciated. May any goodness that comes from our practice and discussion of the Buddha's Dharma be offered outward in all directions. May each of us develop immeasurable compassion for all living beings. And together, may we create a positive change on this planet. Thank you. And uh, see you next week for forgiveness. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. This is Noah Levine, founder of Against the Stream and Refuge Recovery. If you feel moved to leave a donation, there's a link in the show notes.